Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're glad that you could join us again today for our 14th lesson. This is the final lesson in our journey through death, dying, and the future hope. And we're going to end things on what I expect will be a very high note. We're delighted once again to have our special guest with us who has been with us now for 14 weeks, and that is Dr. Alberto Tim. He is an associate director of the LNG White Estate. Alberto, welcome back for at least this journey one final time. It has been an honor for me to join you every time and also for this final one. And this one really is an optimistic one, or at least it ought to be an optimistic one. We're looking at all things new. That is the subject of heaven, the topic of heaven, paradise, if you will. It, it's hard to think of a better way to end this quarter than on a subject like that. But even when we talk about something this positive, this overwhelmingly wonderful, you still run into people who go, really? Heaven seems like kind of a, a pie-in-the-sky idea and wishful thinking and things like that. It, is there really a place like this, Alberto? I think that in human history, you find many kinds of uh, proposals or theories about heaven. And uh, I like very much an old movie called The Lost Horizon. And uh, you remember that one where they speak about Shangri-La, the place where people do not age, basically, maybe a little bit, but not so much, and is a place of harmony and joy. So this idea of trying to find a utopical place where uh, a place of justice and a place of righteousness and of happiness is something that uh, is part of human aspiration. But the Bible does not speak in such a, a term. Even Paul says, we are not basing our hope in something that is just a, a utopic or whatever projection, human projection, but something clear. But when it comes to heaven or to the afterlife, if you want to call it in this way, you have many different theories, probably as human minds to a certain extent, because each one of us has a, a view of what happens in the future. But the Bible is very clear. There is no, some people about a real paradise, a real heaven, some people have difficulties because of the mentality that they have. And we have been struggling a little bit more from the dichotomic perspective because this has shaped our Western culture and Christianity to a large extent, where the material, the concrete, the tangible is here. There is a table, I can touch it. There, uh, there is a book, I can. There is paper, there is myself, and so. But for a Greek philosophy, this is the world, the world we live in here. But uh, the paradise, or whatever you want to call it, is just the world of ideas. So some people have the, the notion that heaven is so boring is a place where you only worship uh, maybe on the, a cloud there playing your harp, something like that, and nothing else than this. So it's better even to stay here than to go over there. But this is not a picture that the Bible portrays. 
there the life in the the world to come is as concrete as this one here except for two things. There is no sin and time does not uh, destroy or uh, corrupt things. So it will be always in this, but it's as concrete as here. The book of Revelation speaks of a garden, of a city, with walls, with people, and we even will meet people over there. It's not something abstract, just a matter of souls or ideas. No, as real as here, as we are talking here, we'll be talking over there. Yeah, this, this concept of heaven, as you mentioned, has different ideas that different people have about it. And if you stop and think about maybe cartoons that you saw when you were a child or something like that, I, I mean, the ones that I saw... So you'd be walking along the street and a, a piano would fall on your head and then you would, you would become this little baby playing a harp, wearing a diaper, sitting on a cloud. We get these ideas, even from the time that we're very small, of what heaven is like, but they're, they're not at all like what heaven is like. And I suppose if, if we thought that heaven was really just about playing harp and wearing diapers, we probably wouldn't want to go. Uh, it, it's not very appealing at all. But the biblical picture is very appealing. And, and if we spent more time reading our Bibles and watching cartoons, we'd probably be better off. Uh, I, some of the things that we're going to see in heaven, you mentioned briefly walls, uh, streets. The Bible talks about streets of gold, walls, a city that has foundations made of all these precious stones. Every, every several gate of the city was made of, of one pearl. And I, I've heard some people quip, you know, if every several gate, if every gate of the city is made of one pearl, can you imagine the size of the oyster? Uh, it would have to be enormous. But but what is, what's this city like? What are some things that we will see there? You mentioned a few things that we won't see there. Paint a, paint a word picture for us, a biblical word picture, if you will. Actually, we have to remember that John the Apostle had to, to use the language available to, the, to his time, at his time and understandable to us. Because I think that heaven is what is described in the Bible, but much more. And we have just a very tiny, uh, little image of it. But if you go to the book of Revelation, uh, you will see that it speaks, as I mentioned before, of a city, a real city. And that city has, is the center of the universe. Because there is God's throne. And God's throne presupposes the existence of a place that hosts the throne. And this is God's sanctuary temple. Of course, we have that passage over there. You remember, is it, uh, uh, you have uh, John uh, chapter 21, verse 22. Could you read it for us? Sure. Yeah, here, here it is. This is John 21, verse 22. John says, but I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. But then, Alberto, you've got that other text over in Revelation chapter 7, verse 15, that talks of this, speaks of this great multitude worshiping God in his temple. So how, how do we reconcile these two apparently conflicting verses? And you, you'll notice that I use the word apparently there, uh, because, of course, there's not going to be a conflict. But What's the significance of John saying in verse 22, I saw no temple in it? Actually, it's interesting that he did not say there is no temple. 
he says, I saw no temple over there because God is the temple. Actually, I understand that John was so amazed of what he saw that he, the temple even lost its meaning compared with the presence of God. But I like very much what a friend once told us uh, in a classroom, um, uh, Richard Davidson, because you cannot just pick and choose from the Bible. You have to harmonize this kind of things. And I agree with him when he says that uh, through, through all eternity, uh, from the past to the future, uh, the temple... The sanctuary temple in heaven always existed. Of course, it had a beginning because only God did exist forever. But one time it started. But from eternity to eternity, the temple had the function of a liturgical function or the place where God is being worshipped by the heavenly beings, by his creation, his creatures. But in the context of sin... Um, in addition to the liturgical function, the place where God is being worshipped, it also assumed a soteriological function or a place where salvation is being offered to the world. So in that sense, it has a double function. But when salvation is ended, the plan of salvation, and sin and sinners no longer exist, there is no reason for the temple to continue with its soteriological function, it, but it will continue as a place of worship. So I think that this is the main point. And can you imagine, you know, the highest point of heaven is to see God. And that is the climax of the whole process, because in reality, you see, for instance, um, John, the Gospel of John, verse 1 I mean, chapter 1, verse 18, that says that no man saw God. This is the in the sinful context. But if you go to Revelation uh, chapter 22, verses 4 and 5, you see that they will see him. This him refers to whom? To the Father or the Son? Well, it's an ambiguous passage. We have no clear uh, assurance in that one, what way to go, but we will see God, in other words. But when you go to, the, uh, to Matthew uh, chapter 5, Jesus even says, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, because they will see God. So he is not saying that they will see me. So I understand that it refers really to seeing God, and that would be the main point. Can you imagine? Some people like to see famous people. And it can be an actor, an actress, or some important uh, ruler, or whatever. Or if you go to Rome, you want to see the Pope. But can you imagine to see the creator and sustainer of the universe? There is no greater privilege. But we will be also engaged in a friendship relationship. Did Jesus not mentioned to be to sit at a, the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in, in the life to come. That's the case. And so the friends. And in the book, Great Controversy, Ellen White says that little children 
who died in an early age will be brought to the, given back to the, the arms of their mothers. Friend separated by death will join never to part again. And we could expand this uh, wonderful picture. It's a beautiful picture that God gives us of, of a future hope. And the good news is that, that future hope is getting less and less future day by day because we're getting closer and closer to Jesus' return and the realization of heaven, what God has prepared for us. It's something that you don't want to miss. If you have been encouraged this quarter, and yet you have been perhaps a little lax in studying more, you don't have much more time, but you've got a little bit more time to pick up the companion book to this quarter's lesson. That is the book on death, dying, and the future hope by author Alberto Tim who we've been delighted to have with us for 14 weeks now, uh, leading us through this study. You can pick this book up, the companion book, at itiswritten.shop. Again, itiswritten.shop on Death, Dying, and the Future Hope by Alberto Tim. It will be a blessing to you and add even more to your already encouraging study. We're going to be back in just a minute or two as we continue our study on all things new. We'll be right back. This season on Conversations. Many times I think I know what God wants or doesn't want me to do, and many times it's the opposite. I was uh, looking uh, next to the car. There's this family with a little ugly car. You know, I would never have. But I saw the family. They're so happy. They're laughing and giggling. I said, Lord, this is that's what I I want. Jesus just had this warm, loving feeling that I just couldn't describe and I wanted it more than anything in this world and I knew he was the answer. I don't know how I knew. I just knew he was the answer. Amen, amen. She is Gail Habercam. His name is Dr. George Guthrie. She once was a practitioner of Santeria. I'm John Bradshaw and this is Our Conversation. Season 4 of Conversations coming to itiswritten.tv starting January 1st. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. Well, we have now reached the very last segment of the very last lesson of the last quarter of 2022. So we, we're at the end, which might sound negative, but we're talking about a really positive subject. So Alberto, let's kind of bring things together in these last few minutes that we have, uh, that we have together God is, God has a plan for dealing with sin. He has a plan for dealing with death. The adversary, if we want to go back 14 weeks, the adversary had his own plan. Satan had his own plan. And he's had, well, several thousand years to, to work out his plan. And I think we probably all agree it hasn't gone real well. But how, how does God's plan differ from the devil's plan? What's the beauty of seeing the character of God triumph in all of this? Actually, the history of sin and death is an ongoing history since the fall until the end. So I like this definition of uh, history as a process. It started with, with uh, human beings departing from God, 
forsaking God, and it will end, uh, is a process that will end with a future re-encounter of man with God. And in between this, we have the great monument of God's love, the altar of his love, actually that's the cross, that assures us the plan of salvation. And that one really reveals the plan of Satan, Satan, his selfishness, a plan built on selfishness. And the other one is a plan built in love, uh, God's love. So it's amazing because as mysterious as evil began, and we have no explanation, we can have no reason to to, to explain how it started. We know what the Bible says, but it is a mystery. Uh, we can say whom and, uh, and how it started, but the reason behind this is something is unexplainable. But as mysterious also is the plan of salvation. Because humankind, human beings were condemned to death, and God find a way really to solve the problem of condemning sin and justifying the sinner. And this is something amazing because usually either you condemn sin and sinners together or you save them together, excusing excusing sin. But God was able to separate them saying, well, sin remains sinful and... uh, is something antagonic of my plan. But at the same time, he, he is uh, willing and able to save sinners. And this is really the amazing thing that ends with the final picture, the glorious eradication of sin and sinners, and those who accept God's plan of salvation will really rejoice with him throughout eternity. So there's an incredible picture of what is to come. And it's not too far distant, but the reality is we're still here. Right now we're still living in this, in the parentheses, uh, when sin exists on this planet. And, and if you think about this from a, from a cosmic perspective, an eternity perspective, there's been eternity in the past where there was no sin. There's going to be eternity in the future where there isn't. But there's this, this tiny little blip in time where sin exists and we happen to be on that singular planet where it exists during the time when it exists. How do we get through this time to make sure that we can experience the eternity that is yet to come? What are some things that we can do to make sure we're on the right side, to make sure we make it through, to make sure that we are among the saved so that we don't end up losing out on all of that wonderfulness because of this short time and poor decisions that we might make? Well, we have a tendency, a human tendency, to blame other other ones of whatever we want. One of those is to blame Eve, Adam and Eve, for the fall. Well, this is something that we can blame, but we cannot change it. It happened. It should have happened? No. It was their decision. But I like very much an analogy where people say that every human mind is a garden of Eden in miniature. The same decisions that Adam and Eve had to take over there, we have to 
to take also in our, our own realm. So in other words, every day we have to choose to follow God's plan or our own plan. And this makes all the difference. The only assurance that we have is that we are uh, grounded in God. I mean, trusting God and following his word. And this is the reason why we have been studying this subject, because this is not just a matter of opinion, of point of view. It's a matter of life and death. Because some people say, well, Jesus saves me and that's enough. It would be the same thing as saying, I love very much my wife, but I hate her ideas. We cannot go uh, live together if this is the case. And so people today want to accept God or Christ, better saying as Savior, but not as Lord. They want revival, but not reformation. But really what we have to do, if I love God, whatever he says is meaningful uh, in my case. And my appeal would really be that we should, uh, this uh, topic, we should not just end here. Well, now I know enough of the subject. No, we have to continue studying it because uh, God's word is for our benefit. You know, when you go to the doctor and he prescribes some kind of medicine, you don't choose what you want to use in the sense, well, I want to have the most tasteful medicine, the one that I like the most. No, you have to take the one that maybe is not the most tasteful, but the one that you need to have. And so God created us. He established this whole plan of salvation as such to undermine, so to say, Satan's plan and, try, uh, and lead us to triumph with him. So in this case, who else can, ha- can tell us what we should do in order to... to accept and to live this plan of salvation and really be saved throughout eternity. Only God. Whatever else is just human opinion. And I think that's a valuable point to, to take away is that there are lots of ideas, lots of theories floating around out there inside Christianity, even on this very sub- subject. But the only one that really matters is what God has to say about it because the rest of it ends up just being fables and, and we end up believing them and, and ending up making some of the same mistakes that, that Eve made. Alberto, for, for all intents and purposes, our, our study of this subject is, is kind of coming to a close here. And you've encouraged us to not just accept that the study is over, but to continue studying. Why is this so important. You've already touched on it, but I want to give you an opportunity to just to, to bring this point together. Why is this such an important subject that it merits continued study, that it's worth our while to, to continue digging into this subject and related subjects? What's the importance? Well, I would not like to overemphasize the case because I wrote a Sabbath school quarterly and the companion book, and so on, because there is a tendency of each single author to consider what he did like a child and something very important. But this subject, I did not choose. I was asked to write on it. I think it's crucial for one reason. 
And you touched a little bit on this matter. Our world in this, what we understand to be the last days, has been taken over by all kinds of immortalist, mystical, spiritualistic experiences. I mean, publications, videos, and whatever you want. There are even... There is even a website where you can go, and I would not share the, the website definitely, and I have not accessed it either, but we can send messages to your for, parent, for parents or ancestors that died and receive messages. Then the next stage, you can talk to them by audio, and the next one, you can even see them. And if the Bible is trustworthy, as I say, the last days will be, there will be many different deceptions. And, uh, and even the devil will appear, and demons, and so on, because they know that their time is limited, and shortly they will have an end. So they are trying to do their best. The bookstores, the movies... The internet is filled of this kind of concepts of reincarnation and near-death experiences. I think that this is the time, if you believe and trust in the Bible, really not only to study and to share it, but also to do your best in order to really make God's word prevail and the teachings of the Bible on this absolutely crucial topic that we have covered so far. So I think that our task is just beginning, is not end. So you, you have concepts, you have understanding, why don't you share it? I think that sharing is very, very important because as you mentioned, the, the proverbial deck is stacked against humanity. There's a lot of influences out there leading people in the wrong direction. But the good news is if God is with us, who can be against us? If he's on our side, if he wants us to prevail, if he wants us to inherit eternal life, if he wants us to experience all things new and to live in a time and a place where there is no more sorrow, no more sin, no more death, no more dying, no more deception, no more destruction, that time is in the very near future. And it's a reality that you can indeed experience. Alberto, I want to thank you once again for, for spending this time with us, for allowing God to use you to write this lesson. It has indeed been a privilege, and I trust it's been a joy for you as well. Yes, definitely so. The joy to be with you and also to share these ideas, and uh, let's do our best. The devil has so many people, so many spokespeople for him. Why he could not use you and me for his cause. God wants to do exactly that. He wants to use you to share his light, his life in a darkened world. And one of the best ways that we can do that is to help people understand the hope that there is. There, it's been said that there are two things that people experience and no one can, can avoid, death and taxes. We can't help you with taxes, but here with death, there's a lot of hope that there is indeed. And so we trust and pray that God will bless you as you continue your study on this subject and you share the hope in Jesus that's also found here. God bless you, and we'll see you next week with a brand new quarter on Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written.